What's up, everyone? I want to tell you about a car that you are going to love. Check it out. The all-new Hyundai 2024 Santa Fe is equipped with everything you need to break free from the dull work week and embark on an adventurous weekend with your family. The all-new Hyundai Santa Fe's features like available H-Track all-wheel drive, standard third-row seating, I love that, available dual wireless charging pads, ensure that you can take on any adventure. So let's say you're ready to take the family on a camping trip or something like that. The Santa Fe is perfect for you. You've got all-wheel drive. You can load everyone up in the third row. It's time to start being adventurous, and you need the right car, and that's the Hyundai 2024 Santa Fe. Learn more about the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe at HyundaiUSA.com. Call 562-314-4603 for complete details. The perfect combination of versatile athleisure and training apparel has arrived. Thanks to the visionary minds of New Balance, Clutch Athletics, and Rich Paul, the designs reflect the heart of the athlete and the spirit of the community. With rising defensive football stars Will Anderson and Chase Young on the roster, Clutch Athletics brings the best innovative gear to all athletes, giving them style and performance on and off the field. Learn more and purchase Clutch Athletics at newbalance.com. This is Fantasy Football Today from CBS Sports. What a play! Can you believe this? No, I can't. It's time to dominate your fantasy league. Off to the races, and he stays on his feet. This is going to go the distance. Now, here's some combination of Adam, Dave, Jamie, and Heath. Top 12 running backs for 2024. These are our lists, and we will be sticking to them, contractually obligated to stick with these top 12s. Until, uh, until the season starts. Welcome, everybody. It is Wednesday. Happy Hump Day. Happy Wednesday, everybody. It's Adam, Dave, Jamie, and Heath. Hey, Heath, welcome back. You know, you said something before the show that really, really confused me. And so I, I just want to start. I, I'd like to start off with me asking you a question. <laughs> you, were talking, you were talking about sledding with your uh, kids. Yeah. And you said you didn't sled, but you pulled them. Yeah, on the sled, yeah. Where I'm from, if you go sledding, somebody pushes you and you go down a hill. Were you like just running around your driveway pulling them on a sled? Backyard. Okay. And they're too did, young. Did you have a like a, a tractor or a car or something you were no, pulling them with? Rope at the front of the sled. And you were the one like running or walking, pulling yeah, them. Yeah, jogging. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> See, I have been pulled on a sled, but it was behind a truck. <laughs> on the road. No, they're three and five. I can't just let them go down a hill. I had to, uh, <laughs> just strap them to a tractor. You're good. I almost wiped out, man. Like I almost, it was really icy. It wasn't, it wasn't like mushy snow. It was icy. And I'm with the sled and I was like, oh, almost completely lost it. So like a was, horse? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I was like a reindeer out there, but one that was slipping. So. Probably more like a pony. <laughs> and Heath said something before the show about Christian McCaffrey. So we're going to get to that. Some quick news and notes, and we'll get to our top 12 running backs, uh, early top 12 running backs for 2024. Uh, Mark Andrews was limited in practice. Would love to see him play this week against the Texans. And Christian McCaffrey practiced in full. So he's good to go. But Heath, in, in terms of playoff challenges, what little conundrum are you running into? Yeah, the conundrum that I've run into is do you play Christian McCaffrey this week in leagues where you can only play a guy one time? I mean, obviously, the what you'd like to have if you think the 49ers are going to be in the Super Bowl is that you have McCaffrey as the hammer 
for the Super Bowl, but there's no guarantee he's going to make it there. And I think this is probably the best matchup that he's going to have on his way there. This might be a week where he scores 35 or 40 points. And if somebody else gets those, it'd be kind of hard to make that up. It's the, it's the, that's the, the, the challenge of the playoff challenge in, in, in these formats is when to use these players. Like I, I'm, I'm in one where uh, I think the the chiefs could beat the bills. I have more, a little bit more confidence in Buffalo at this point, but um, I'm, I'm going with a, I could play up to three quarterbacks. So I'm playing Stroud. I think they're done. I'm playing. Um, I used love last week. I'm playing Stroud. I'm playing Baker and I'm playing um, uh, Mahomes. So I play three quarterbacks, but I'm going with a chief stack in this, in this particular lineup of uh, Kelsey um, as well. And it's like, you lose those guys. If, if they, if they advance to not have them for, you know, potential, you know, two more games, but it, that's the, that's the, the, the choice you make is when do you use your, your key guys? And if they, if you don't use them, you know, so like, let's say you don't use McCaffrey this week and let's say you try to, okay, now they advance during the FC championship game. You want to use them for Super Bowl and they get knocked out. And like you said, you didn't get those 40 points. So that's the, uh, mm-hmm. that's the tough call. It's really difficult sometimes with these, with these leagues, but that's the fun of it. Yeah. I, I would probably wait just if you felt confident in him being in the Super Bowl. Or, you know, because he he's match he's basically matchup proof, right? You know, but you also to- want to get his most points. That's the thing. Well, well another thing for, for me specifically, I'm I'm playing in the baby bowl, which is a uh, a charity raises money for some good causes, and I've got like a 10-point lead on the field. I finished first out of everybody. Well, I'm kind of just thinking, let's just stack a lead and hope that nobody can catch me in the Super Bowl. I'm I'm planning on actually stacking one side or the other of that Lions. Bucks game because I figure this is the Lions probably last game indoors. So even if they, they make it next week, they're probably not as good. Or just go with Baker Mayfield, Mike Evans, and Chris Godwin. Wow. That was a- also like you said though, you want to make it to the Super Bowl and have right. players. Right. You know, yeah. that's that's the, the biggest thing is like how do you get to the final game while still having the ability to field a, a full lineup? That was a very really elaborate humble brag there. You know, thank you. Oh yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> Took a lot. Yeah, it took a long way to get there, but it paid off. Did not go unnoticed. Dave Richard, the Cleveland Browns fired three members of their offensive coaching staff. Coordinator Alex Van Pelt has been the OC for four seasons there. Uh, running back coach Stump, Stump Mitchell and coach uh, tight end coach TC McCartney all fired uh, by the Cleveland Browns. And they actually surprised to me. They ran the most plays in football in 2023 mm-hmm. and seventh most in 2022. But uh, yeah, any reaction to this, Dave? I think it's interesting that these guys got fired after the year that the Browns had. Think about all the different quarterbacks that they went through, running backs, losing Nick Chubb early on, and they were still able to be a successful team. So it's it's almost like, what did these guys do, Van Pelt especially, to fall out of favor in Cleveland? We'll we'll, we'll see what the reaction is and, and what the move after that is, but Stefanski's been calling the plays this whole time in Cleveland. So Van Pelt's probably been more of a sounding board than anything else. I'm curious to see who's who's moving into that role, especially the OC role, to be that new sounding board for Stefanski. All right, Mike Tomlin says he's going to coach the Steelers in 2024. Tyler Higby did tear his ACL. That stinks. Sorry to hear that. And uh, I don't know why I thought Gerard Mayo went to Florida. He went to Tennessee. Yeah, that was a bad one. <laughs> I don't know. I really remember him being on the Gators. Like, I really feel like the You're internet. You're thinking of Brandon Spikes. I'm not thinking of Brandon Spikes. I remember you guys talking about your standards. Like, all right, maybe they're right on this. But I thought, <laughs> I thought, I didn't think Mayo went to Florida. No, I, 
I really think everyone's wrong and some has a big conspiracy here because I just remember him being on UF. But all right, I guess he went to Tennessee. <laughs> Congratulations to the Tennessee Volunteers who now have a head coach. Uh, Heath, I wanted to promote FFT. I heard Dynasty. Robert Kraft wanted to hold the mail, though. Yeah, exactly. Uh, FFT Dynasty every Tuesday. You guys did a live Superflex startup Dynasty mock draft yesterday. We were all part of it. It was a lot of fun. But uh, what do we have coming up in the offseason, Heath? Well, for, first off, it, it always reminds me when I do one of those how good you are at your job because hosting a podcast while you're doing a mock draft, and this particular mock draft, I ended up drafting for two teams. Oh, very, very, very difficult. But yes, we've got uh, we've got, you know, we got Jagger May from Football Guys coming on next week. We've got a, a bunch of guests lined up for the weeks following those. We are going to talk playoff risers and fallers. We will have more mock drafts. We eventually might even get to more than one show per week. That'd be great. All right. Check it out. Fantasy Football Today Dynasty. You can scan that little QR code there. All right. Let's get to our top 12 running backs in 2024. Uh, first question for you, was it difficult to come up with the back end of your top 12? Certainly was for me. Was it difficult for you guys to come up with the back end of the top 12? No. I don't know if difficult is the word. No. I mean, 11 and 12 specifically were tough for me. But like you for- couldn't find players to fill those spots or you had too yeah. many players to fill no, those spots? I, I, I didn't feel like I had 12 guys, so I really felt... No, I, 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 I have 13. I think there was actually a week between the time when I sent Jamie my top 12 running backs and my top 24 overall, and my top 12 running backs might have changed in that time. Oh, yeah. I mean, yeah, mine did. Receivers yeah. have changed, that's for sure. Uh, but, okay. So, okay. So, no difficulty there. Okay, fair enough. Um, second question was, what were you looking for in your top 12 running backs? Did you care more about projected workload, efficiency, both? Um, what was most important? Jamie, I'll let you start there. What was the most Upside, important? You know, so, yes. Uh, the, the players that I think have the chance to be close to workhorse backs in terms of playing on passing downs, getting goal line opportunities, um, you know, taking a step forward from where they were this season, you know. So uh, to sort of tie in your first question, you know, the the tougher ones for me were, you know, Saquon Barkley, who's 12, and Josh Jacobs, who's just outside of that. And, you know, where are they playing next year? Mm. So that's, you know, the the tough call. But really in terms of the, the, <clears throat> the, the question marks were, you know, somebody like Devon Achan, is he going to – be the lead guy and in what capacity will he be the lead guy? And then, you know, for me, it was the only real struggle I, I, I think was where to put Bijan because of the hope of what the new coach and system will be. So, you know, one thing that I wrote about, and, and again, you know, when we go through these, you can see all of our top 12s on the site. Um, you can see our top 24 and it's not just the four of us. It's also Jacob Gibbs and Chris Towers and Dan Schneier, uh, you know, contributing to, listing their top 12s as well, um, was trying to see, okay, who's different and who has, you know, different, you know, talking points, you know, to, uh, to make it interesting. And the Bijan versus Gibbs, uh, ranking debate was, was interesting. I think it was, uh, four and three. Uh, I forget which way it went, but, um, you know, pretty even split of who, who likes one of the two, you know, now sophomore running backs over the other. All right. Anybody else want to comment on that or just, should we just unveil the rankings? Let's unveil them. Let's do it. Okay. Uh, number one, McCaffrey, right? Yep. One yeah, or two are the same for all seven. 
How far into the offseason will we get before somebody starts getting worried about McCaffrey's age? Like at some point in June or July, there's going to be articles coming out. (laughs) He's he's 28 years old. Remember what happened to Eckler last year? Yada, yada, yada. I think it's just something that you have to know and accept with McCaffrey. And I I mean, I, I sat in this exact same spot three years ago going on and on about he's had five injuries in the last 13 months or whatever it was. And I was nervous about him, but he changed. He, he told everybody, he changed his off season routine, changed the way that he, you know, put his body together. And for whatever reason with, you know, some fortuitous luck included and probably going to San Francisco, that helped too. He's, he's managed to stay healthy and just super reliable. And he's, what he's like five, six PPR points per game better than everyone else in the field. When you look at the entire season, he's, he's like Kelsey at tight end, or maybe we should be saying that Kelsey's like McCaffrey. He's at running back. He's almost, or probably even more better than everybody else than Cooper cup had been the last two years. Yeah, exactly. And what happened to Cooper cup? Sure. Well, I mean, I, I think it, it's interesting that the two names that you mentioned, you know, Austin Eckler and Cooper Cup, because Eckler had the holdout situation, you know, and how much did that change? Not his training regimen from him personally, but just being in football shape. And, you know, look, he had an ankle sprain, so that's not necessarily a soft tissue injury, but it is an injury nonetheless to an older player. And they may be a little bit tougher to come back from and come back at the same level. I think the thing that worries me a little bit with McCaffrey is it's not just that he's going to be older. It's now back-to-back seasons, you assume, of two long playoff runs. And so that's a lot of wear and tear on his body, you know, for especially for somebody that's got an injury track record. So, again, I you know, for, for the people that are going to have the number one overall pick and we're going to get a lot of the Justin Jefferson got hurt and McCaffrey got hurt, you know, and is, is, the, is the, the one spot cursed. And oh, you don't want to necessarily take that player. What he does when he's on the field, when he's healthy, is – not matched, you know, and you could say maybe Brees Hall gets there, maybe Bijan or Gibbs get there if they get those opportunities. And, you know, certainly we saw CD Lamb, for example, outscore him uh, from a total points perspective, you know. So taking the receiver makes, you know, a little bit more sense as we talked about last year with the safety factor when we were talking about Jefferson versus McCaffrey to begin with. So there's going to be a lot of debate about who should be number one overall. But when, when McCaffrey is right, when he's healthy, when he's on the field, there's no one at that position that does what he does. You can also make the case that if you draft McCaffrey, We'll assume that we'll know who the backup is, and knowing the track record of 49ers running backs, that running back is going to be someone that we immediately start. Can't expect 25 PPR points per game, but 15, 18 could potentially be in that range. The problem with that is if it's Elijah Mitchell, is he going to be healthy the week that McCaffrey misses? Right. I'm not sure if it's going to be Elijah Mitchell at this point. I mean, as of now, you should be planning on Mitchell, you know. So if if, if for whatever reason, you know, you can still make transactions. You pick up Mitchell if he's available wherever he is. I mean, like I, I made it a priority in, in Heath's draft to draft Mitchell, and and I've done it in a few drafts that we've, uh, I've done it in the two drafts that we've done already, and I, I made sure in my dynasty leagues to try to acquire him or or roster him uh, throughout the course of the season because if he is in this role behind a 28 year old McCaffrey, we've already seen him as the lead running back for San Francisco be very very good. Again, not McCaffrey good as Dave said, but still very good. Startable top 20 type running mm-hmm. back. So you want that on your roster if you can have it. And again, if it's somebody else then you go and pivot to that, but uh for right now it's it's Elijah Mitchell and I think that's the approach you should have. He's okay. going to be 26 next year and it's a contract year. 
So let's the only way to- he's not making the team is if the coaches don't like him anymore. Let's get to not McCaffrey here. Let's get to Brees Hall. But but there is obviously a clear curse of the number one overall pick. The last four number one overall fantasy picks have missed at least at least six games. McCaffrey twice, Jonathan Taylor, and Justin Jefferson. Okay, uh, so that's indisputable. Uh, number two, I guess, for everyone was Brees Hall, Jamie? Everyone was Brees Hall. All seven people were Brees Hall. That's, that's pretty interesting. You know, uh, I, I mean, yeah, I'm, I'm in on that too, but I think that's pretty interesting that it was unanimous, guys. Um, yeah, I mean, look, he had an amazing finish to his season, you know, and, and we talked about this last offseason, that year two coming off the ACL tear is typically when these guys bounce back and, and play at, at a high level. He accelerated that timeline, you know, which is which is great to see, and you hope better quarterback play, hopefully better offensive line play. And we get the best of what Brees Hall has been, which has been unbelievable. You know, the first four games of his rookie season and then the the games that, you know, sort of sh- sh- showed how good he can be in his sophomore campaign. So, I mean, my goodness, it's a uh, it's a lot to love about him. I have a brutal call uh, in a in a keeper league where I have to decide between McCaffrey and, and Brees Hall and I keep them forever. You know, so I only get to keep one. And so I drafted Brees Hall with the idea of, OK, this is a guy I had McCaffrey was my keeper draft Brees Hall. Uh, with the idea of oh, he'll be my next keeper in case something happens to McCaffrey. And now I'm torn because the upside for McCaffrey for the next three, four years, uh, comparatively to Hall, is is not the same. You know, Hall's upside is, is much more. Oh, you got to go Hall. Right, but I, I, I won the league. I'm going to try and win it again. <laughs> McCaffrey gives me a better <laughs> chance if he's right. He's going like, to miss at least six games. I just told you that, McCaffrey. Potentially. potentially. Don't jinx him. Uh, it's not me. I'm not jinxing him. Is everyone else is going to jinx him. He's going to be 101. All right, so uh, we probably don't need to spend much time on Brees Hall. So let's go to three, four, five. Uh, give me your three, four, five. Heath, you can start. Yeah, I've got Jameer Gibbs, Bijan Robinson, Kyron Williams. Gibbs, Bijan, Kyron. Okay, Dave. I'm one of the guys that changed the sophomore running back order after we had to send it in. My order as of now is Bijan, Gibbs, and I have Jonathan Taylor at five. Yeah, let's do three through six. Because I want because I figure is there does everybody have Kyron six or, or uh, six or higher? Yeah. Yeah, he's sixth for me. It's three yeah. through six, Bijan, Gibbs, Kyron, Taylor, in some order yeah. for everybody. Yep. All right, so let's do that. Three through six. So, sorry, start again. So, Heath, you're Gibbs, Bijan, Kyron, Taylor? Gibbs, Bijan, Kyron, Taylor. Dave, you are? Bijan, Gibbs, Taylor, Kyron. Bijan, Same exact one. And, he, D- Jamie, you're Bijan, Gibbs, Taylor, Kyron. Yep. Okay, and I went Bijan, Taylor, Gibbs, Kyron. All right. Uh, who's got like a hot take about why either Bijan or Gibbs is number three ahead of this, the top of this group of four. I don't think there could be any hot takes until we find out who the coaching staff in Atlanta is going to be. Um, And then I I could definitely be influenced by their hire and what their coach says about splitting up touches. I, I do think it's more likely that Gibbs sees a larger share of the workload next year relative to the share that he saw this year. Um, I also don't know for sure, like this Ben Johnson, he wants $15 million to be a head coach. What if the Lions just say, hey, we'll pay a 10 to stay as our offensive coordinator? <laughs> then I think they, I don't think any coordinator is making 10. Yeah. yeah that'd be a the, lot. They, they would be that doing be something that no one's ever done before. That, that would be wild. Uh, if you look at the last nine games of the season for Jameer Gibbs, that was when Montgomery came back. Look at those two guys. Gibbs was the number 10 running back per game in both half and full PPR, and that was with a pace of 17 total touchdowns, uh, but only 245 touches. 
So that's Jameer Gibbs. He was number 10 per game and half in full PPR. Montgomery was number 18 per game and half, number 20 per game in full PPR. So, I, you know, look, that's a little scary for a guy who could be a top five overall pick. Um, he was terrific. He averaged 5.2 yards per carry. But and then you look at the playoff, the first playoff game. I mean, Montgomery got more. There's there's just no indication that Gibbs is uh, going to out carry David Montgomery. He actually scored more touchdowns than Montgomery over the last nine games. He scored eight rushing touchdowns. Montgomery scored seven. Uh, but uh, and then there are two receiving touchdowns for Gibbs. But yeah, I, I mean, I don't know, Dave. Do you what do you think about that split? Um, two hundred and forty a two hundred and forty five touch pace for Jameer Gibbs. And a, wow, a 255 touch pace for David Montgomery. Right. We saw them work pretty close to 50-50. And I would imagine that that's going to continue even if Ben Johnson's gone. The only way it won't continue is if Montgomery regresses, uh, coaching staff falls out of love with him, or if he gets hurt and then that opens the door for Gibbs. But Gibbs still has great numbers when he's getting at least 50% of the snaps. Uh, 18.1 PPR points per game. That's two points better than his entire season average. So there's still plenty there for Jameer Gibbs to be great for fantasy managers, even though he's sharing. It's because he catches the ball more. It's because he's more explosive. And I know that Ben Johnson leaving, that that's going to be a wild card. But there is a chance that the Lions just say, hey, what we've been doing is great. Whoever the new OC is, maybe it's someone who's already there on the staff. They just keep doing what they did this year. And everything kind of just rolls right back into place. It gives us exciting, but I think there's a little bit more upside for Bijan now knowing that Arthur Smith is gone. A new OC will be there. Could be run heavy where Bijan gets the majority of the work. And his numbers when he's had at least 15 touches exactly the same as Jameer Gibbs. And there's room for that to grow because he can get more touches. I want to continue this guy. We got to take a break. We're going to continue this conversation in just a moment. We're going to be right back after a quick break here on fantasy football today. Robert half research indicates nine out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. So we looked at the last nine games of the season for Jameer Gibbs, and he was on pace for 245 touches. He was the number 10 running back per game. How about the last eight games for Bijan Robinson? That's when things kind of changed. It was that first game against Arizona. Um, he started becoming more of the goal line back, and they featured him more, so to speak. He only had 51% of, it, of the team's running back carries, but he was actually on pace for, let's see, 200 and uh, actually 300 touches, uh, 236 carries and 64 catches. And that was something, Jamie, I mean, that, that I think pr- might surprise people. He was in more catches than Jameer Gibbs, Bijan Robinson. Do you expect that to continue? Yeah, 
I do. I mean, you know, he he profiled as a, a an amazing receiving back. You know, Steve Sarkeesian even said he was, you know, he, he I think he prefaced it by saying, I'm going to piss off some of my receivers, but he has the best hands on the team. You know, and so, you know, what he was expected to do, he just didn't do it over the course of a full season. You know, we saw, you know, bits and pieces of, I think, what his upside could be. And that's, to me, what is the most encouraging thing about it. And if you recall, you know, I, I, I wrote a whole magazine story about him becoming the best rookie running back ever uh, for, for fantasy purposes. And he certainly fell way short of that. Um, but, you know, the hope would be is that, okay, Tyler Algier goes into the Elijah Mitchell role, you know, of, you know, we're going to use him maybe a little bit, but, you know, break glass if needed type of player, as opposed to he's getting 49% of the touch. I know it's not him, but I'm saying, you know what I mean? Like there, there's somebody else taking Bijan off the field way too much. And, while I think there'll still be a split, I think the split will be much more in the favor of Bijan from a positive standpoint, as opposed to what the, the lion situation is because David Montgomery is a much more skilled running back than Tyler Algier and more proven. So that's why I, I lean a little bit more toward Bijan, but I think he said it best. Like, you know, until we see who the coaching staff is, it's more hope than anything else. Because if it's, let's say Belichick and he brings in Josh McDaniel and we know what that Patriot system has been where they use, like to use multiple backs in some capacity, uh, it may not be the upside of Bijan. Not that he's going to fall out of the top five or six or even ten, but he certainly could fall a couple of spots behind Taylor and potentially behind um, Gibbs if you're so inclined. How are we feeling about Kyron Williams and Jonathan Taylor right now? Um, you know, Bijan and Gibbs are young, they're exciting. Uh, not that Kyron Williams and Taylor are old, uh, but Kyron, like I heard, Heath, I heard you say yesterday, he's the kind of guy that scares you in Dynasty. His profile. Taylor hasn't really been that elite playmaker each of the last two seasons. Last uh, 2022, he had the high ankle sprain that he was playing through. This year, he was good, but not, you know, not amazing like he was in his first two seasons. So, like, Heath, how are you feeling about them? Are you feeling like they're still, like, well, still, I shouldn't say for Kyron, but I don't know. Do you feel the same excitement about them that you might feel for Bijan and Gibbs? Not the same excitement. Like there's a, there's a tear after those first three backs, I think, but that it's a weird thing because Kyron is exactly the type of running back who scares you with his profile because they have so little invested in him. But as we talked about Jamie and I on that show, on the show yesterday, the, the guys who have been replaced with that little draft capital have mostly been guys who have seen coaching changes. And I, as long as we don't see a coaching change for the Rams, then I think, like we saw James Robinson, Damian Pierce, there, there were coaching changes, and then they went with different guys at running back eventually. Um, the well, the example you use, not to cut you off, I, I think is relevant, is, is Pacheco. Right. Yeah, because Pacheco didn't have a coaching change, and, right. and he's been okay. He's exa- the same type of profile, a guy who would scare you because the team has so little invested in him. I think that the thing that worries me with Taylor relative to to Williams is how little Anthony Richardson threw the ball to his running backs last year. Just 11 of his 84 passes went to running backs. And then how little the team, even when Gardner Minshew was quarterback, threw the ball to Jonathan Taylor. Yeah. Um, And so you look here, it was three catches a game for Kyron, basically two for Taylor. But in the second half of the season, I think one of his last six games, Taylor had more than one target. And that game, he had two targets. They just didn't throw to him at all late in the season. And I think Richardson's really not going to throw to his backs very much. Um, I Obviously, maybe it's not obvious, but I think Jonathan Taylor is a much more talented running back. Um, he is the type of guy who could, like, there's a reason he was the first overall pick one year. But I, I'm not sure that this situation will be quite as good for him as it is for Kyron, assuming that all the pieces, coaches and quarterbacks, are who we think they're going to be. 
It, it's it's funny you mentioned the passing game work. I wonder how much the final play of the season for the Colts maybe changes some things and how they approach Jonathan Taylor in the passing mm. game because he wasn't. I, I know he was coming, you know, dealing with the injury in the second half of the game against Houston, but he's not on the field in their most crucial play. And the you know you could say okay, we're going to fool the the Texans. We're not going to throw. We're not going to you know Taylor's on the field. They know it's coming. He's going to get the ball in some capacity. But I mean, they use the third string running back in their most important play of the year. And the play faltered. You could say it's a bad, bad throw by Gardner, but I mean, I would hope that he can get to 40 catches. If he can get to 40 catches of what his potential is, I mean, this is a guy that's led the league in rushing one season. He scored 20 touchdowns one season. If he has a 40 catch year and potentially 20 total touchdowns and, you know, 1500 plus, you know, if you want to be conservative, if he stays healthy rushing yards, like that's going to be a top three running back. Yeah. Uh, by the way, so Richardson, very limited sample size, but if they didn't had, play a game together, if no, he had qualified, he would have had the fourth lowest uh, running back target rate. But here are the three quarterbacks that threw to their running backs less frequently than Anthony Richardson did: Joe Burrow, C.J. Stroud, and Matthew Stafford. So, <laughs> Kyron, uh, what did Kyron have? Kyron had 32 catches in 12 games, on pace for 45 catches. Right, but you, you could see Taylor getting that. Yeah, I mean, you just have to get like all of the catches, right? Uh, even if your uh, quarterback doesn't throw that much to running backs, you just have to be the guy that's playing all the time. All right, so I guess the top six was uh, was it consensus, Jamie? Was it, did anybody have a different running back in the top six? I will tell you right now. So Taylor me. and Richardson did play together in Week Five, but it was not very much. Uh, did anybody have a? I think I might have had ETN at one point when I first sent mine in. But I didn't yeah, the second time. Yeah. Uh, Jacob, no. Uh, Dave originally had different six. He had eight and six. Uh, Dan, nope, same six. And Chris, Chris has H and over Williams. Okay. Yeah, H and I mean he's super interesting. All right, so let's go uh, seven, eight, nine here. Why well, was six afraid of seven? Let's go seven, eight, nine. Dave, who's seven eight nine for you? Well, first you got to tell me why six was afraid of seven. I'm dying over here to find out. You already know. Achan is seven for me. Etn is eight, and I currently have Saquon at nine. This is when I stopped using my pen and started using pencil. Right. Achan, Etn, Saquon for Dave, Jamie seven eight nine. Uh, Achan, Etn, and Rashad White. Okay, Heath. I had ETN, HN, and Camara. I after the ETN HN duo, no idea. Don't want to draft any of those guys. I'll just wait until round ten and draft a backup. And you were the only ones to have Camara in the top twelve. Yep. And that's yeah, everyone's scared of his age. That was my question: of was it hard to fill out the back of half the back of your the back end of the top twelve? And nobody said yes, but Heath, it I, seems like the answer is yes. I'm, I don't know that. I mean, I just, I don't want to draft any of these guys. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I mean, it wasn't that hard. I just, I, yeah. I mean, I should have had Pacheco in there. I feel like Pacheco deserves it. I didn't have him in there, but I feel more confident in him now. But yeah, like I, I got to the point where it's like, I have James Cook in there. Do I really feel like he's a, he had two rushing touchdowns? Um, but no, I, I think we all, back. Like, I like Rashad White. I'd probably move Rashad White and Pacheco ahead of Camara now. But I think we have uh, HN and ETN. Everyone, all four of us have HN and ETN in the top eight at seven and eight in some order. 
And then we've got a, a couple of Saquons, a Rashad White, and an Alvin Kamara. But he said he'd move Kamara down a little bit. So let's say two Rashad Whites and two Saquons there. But let's talk about Achan. Because those first three games, Devon Achan was, you know, 50 points against the, let's see, 50 points, 51 points against the Broncos, 27 points at Buffalo, 21.5 points against the Giants. Then he misses four games, comes back, he plays three snaps against the Raiders, misses another game after that, and then he played the last six games of the season. But in the four games, the next four games that he played with Raheem Mostert, Mostert missed the last two of the season, he was the number 20 running back per game. Mostert still got a year left on his contract. So we all had HN top eight, but it is, I mean, it's mostly based on those first three games. So where he's averaging like 12 yards per carry. Yeah. Where, where do you rank a guy who might be Chris Johnson, but also might be CJ Spiller? Yeah. I'm not <laughs> ranking him based on those games. I'm ranking him based on the final two with the hope that he's the lead guy. Right. But what indication, I mean, what indication is there that they're going to just get away from Raheem Mostert? I know Again, that, that's, that's the exercise. You're, 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 you're projecting based on what you either think or hope is going to happen. In this case, for me, is the hope that HN becomes the lead guy. Now, the playoff game worries the hell out of me in that Mostert's coming off two-game absence with knee and ankle injuries, and they give them the same amount of touches. Like, if you're trying to win a game – especially where you're an underdog in bad weather against a team that, you know, has sort of owned you a little bit. Like you got to do a little something creative and different. And they weren't creative and different with one of their best playmakers. And so if, if there is uh most are back at 32, I might drop a chance a spot or two, but it'll still be a top 12 guy for me with the hope that he becomes the, the lead option. And, and most are misses time because running backs at that age don't t- typically have a lot of, you know, staying power in terms of health, if they're getting that much work. Um, if it's Jeff Wilson, I'll feel very good about HN. If they go out and they bring somebody else in, and this is a team that's a little bit strapped for draft capital, they're down their third and fourth round pick after a lot of moves that they made. Uh, and I can't imagine their first or second round picks are going towards running backs. But, you know, this may be somebody that, that a team that somebody wants to come play for because of how much success they have offensively. So we'll see what, what happens, you know, what, what type of market they're in for another veteran if it, if they move on from Oster. But I mean, again, you, you saw what he was able to do in two losses, but still two big games for them against Baltimore and Buffalo. And he was their lead guy and he had some success, you know, and, and some pretty significant success. He had five catches, you know, he had two, you know, three touchdowns. Um, he can be a, a star and, you know, yes, the, the, the Johnson versus Spiller comparison is great uh, or, or a range of outcomes is great. Um, but I, I, I think, you know, if, if he is the lead guy in this offense, you got to be excited about it. Injury concerns. Yes, but you got to be excited about it. And, and all those questions is why I have ETN ahead, just because I think ETN's going to probably see 20 touches per game next year, unless he gets hurt or something. He's going to he's gonna be over 300 touches if he plays 17 games next year. Probably in an, at least an above-average offense, if not a good offense, have somewhat of a role in the passing game. ET, uh, there's more upside with ETN. There's just a lot, lot lower floor for him than there is with ETN. And yep. I, w- were the Dolphins one of the teams when there was talks about Derrick Henry moving that there that were kind of rumors were circling around? I wonder if he's a nice Raheem Mostert replacement. I think that was the offseason. Okay. Before the year. I don't think it was a trade deadline. Okay. So it's a core belief of Mike McDaniels to use multiple running backs. There's never going to be a time where one running back is getting the Kyron Williams treatment, the Christian McCaffrey treatment. It's not going to happen. Um, and and I'm almost certain that if it's not Raheem Mostert, it'll be somebody else that'll kind of annoy us 
when it comes to A-Chan. But if you break up A-Chan's year, it's super small sample size. Every single time, he's, when he had 18 or more touches, he averaged he had at least 23.7 PPR points per game. When he had at least 10 carries in five games, he had 21 or more PPR points in four of the five games. Five games with 11 or 12 touches. That's it. Three times he was below 14 PPR points, still at double digits, and two times he was above 21 or more PPR points. It's humongous upside. It's it's the type of upside of a player that you would consider as high as number three overall. If we knew he was going to be in that role, he would he'd blow past everybody except for Brees Hall and Christian McCaffrey. But yeah. the downside is just how much work is he going to get? I would hope, and this would be an off-season study for us, and then working and keeping a close eye on the Dolphins this off-season – to see what mistakes did he make last year? Can they be corrected? And if if there weren't a lot of mistakes, then there's definitely a path for the younger, fresher, dual threat running back to earn more playing time than the steady veteran who's 32 years old going into a contract year who's had like major knee issues in the past. The other thing that really concerns me when you talk about splits with HN is that his big games were almost exclusively in blowouts. I remember that first game when he came back from injury, and we were worried, are they going to use him very much? And the game's over at halftime, and they're handing the ball off to him and resting Raheem Moster. Mm-hmm. Um, he, he had the huge game against the Broncos in a blowout. He had the huge game. I think it was a pretty big game. The in blow- the blow- I mean, right. Well, was a lot of it Denver. Was I'm not sure the- if he was against Washington. Was it Washington, Washington? It was at the end of the game. The Denver game was early in the game. Yes, agreed. But you know what? To me, that's that's like experience for him. That's him just gaining that like that might have troubled me during this past season, but it's not gonna that's not gonna slow me down when evaluating. But I think it's HN it's, relative, it's for me, it's relative to the what Jamie brought up at the very beginning, the usage in the playoff game. Like mm-hmm. they're in a must win season on the line game and they don't think we need to feature HN as our top running back. I get it. If if they've got now a full off season to reevaluate everything that they do at every position, and I'm I'm hoping, I mean, this is part of the hope of having HN as a top twelve fantasy running back. I'm hoping that they'll say, okay, this guy's got a lot more explosiveness, and we need to get him more involved next year. Now that he's had his rookie year and he's had his chance to get familiar with the NFL game, and you know. I was going to say getting used to the speed of the NFL game. I don't know if the NFL game is going to get used to his speed because he is unbelievable. Mm-hmm. But I, I I just can't help but think that they're – I don't think the Dolphins are going to come into training camp next year and say, well, we're just going to stick with this very fast but very experienced veteran when we've got this other young player who's just incredibly good and now has a full offseason under his belt knows the system, knows everything. Just, I think it's going to be a completely different deal for HN next year. Yeah. All right. So I want to bring this up here because obviously HN's hyper efficient, but you got, we, we heard Saquon as RB nine. We heard Rashad white as RB nine. We've talked about ETN as RB seven or RB eight. They averaged ETN averaged 3.8 yards per carry. Saquon Barkley averaged 3.9 yards per carry. Rashad white averaged 3.6 yards per carry. Now let me tell you where their where their teams ranked in run blocking according to PFF. The Chargers were last in the NFL, lowest run blocking grade. The Jaguars 31st, the Giants 30th, the Buccaneers 29th. So I'd love to see offensive line upgrades for these teams because we know what ETN's capable of. Certainly, we know what Barkley's capable of, although he's obviously getting up there in age. Rashad White's never really been a great 
YPC guy. And I'm sure that's going to concern some people. I will point out he had a very, very difficult schedule this year. Um, but, you know, Jamie, I, I, it's the stat that people make fun of me for, but I know people care about it. Like, we're not going to ignore the fact that ETN, Barkley, and Rashad White didn't have great seasons running the football, whether that was on them or not. And I don't even think Barkley's going to be on the Giants next year. But, you know, just just talk about that and their their inefficiency. It's definitely a, a, a concern when you're trying to, you know, say, okay, who can get to the next level of production, you know, because you'd like to see either better blocking, like you said, or, you know, just the ability to, you know, create yards after contact and, and do a little bit more of those type of things. But I think in, a, in terms of the three guys that you mentioned, the hope would be their role in the passing game is what sort of helps them, you know, exceed some of those potential limitations. And I always sort of look at yards per carry as, okay, how many third and one, fourth and one, fourth and two, third and two, you know, those situations where they're getting stuffed or not getting, you know, just getting enough. And that's what's limiting their yards per carry, you know, to break it down in terms of all those different, you know, plays that that sort of matter when it comes to that. But I think, you know, in terms of, you know, at least ETN and 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 White, not that Barkley is a dinosaur, but you're you're they're entering the prime of their careers, you know, and and, right. and you know, you, you see the the path to feature workload is, has already been established, you know. So like Heath said in regards to, you know, uh, Kyron, I don't anticipate coaching changes coming for for those two guys. You know, Peterson might be a surprise, but um, I don't think Todd Bowles is getting fired after, you know, a playoff victory. That that seems pretty obvious at this point. And, and Peterson staying there. So the systems should be the same. The roles should be the same. You know, I don't think take Bigsby, for example, because I don't think there's anybody on Tampa's roster that would take the role from Rashad White. Like Bigsby was the one that we thought, okay, maybe if he does anything – and he was miserable, you know, so uh, they they seem locked into everything that you look for, you know, doing doing it all. And so that's why, you know, for, for me, those guys are in the spots that they are. For Barkley, look, if he goes to the right situation or stays with the Giants, I mean, I, I think that's pretty obvious. It's a good situation for him. Um, you still got to be encouraged. He, he's what, 26, 27 at, at most? He'll be 27 next year. Uh, you know, so you're looking at still uh, at least one more hopeful big season. Uh, before the age, you know, becomes a, a question mark. But he still did enough this year that you should feel confident to draft him as number one guy. I, I know I've seen a lot from Dan about his lack of of big plays, his lack of long runs. But the other thing is, like, I, he's had the role in the passing game. They've still thrown to him a lot. But his efficiency in the passing game has just been awful for the last two or three years. He was below five yards per target for the third year in a row. He was over six early in his career. And so I, I do think he's not he was not in my top 12. But just because this time of year, I'm generally pretty worried about 27-year-old running backs who don't have a team. We've seen every single year, one of those guys or two of those guys all of a sudden don't have a team in September because they thought they were worth a lot more than the rest of the league did. So if he goes to a great situation on a team that throws to their running backs and there's not a designated pass-catching running back, he would vault up into my top 12 pretty easily. Um, you got to get him a good offensive line or a team that's going to score a bunch of touchdowns. But man, if we get to July and he's still looking for the right fit, I'm going to feel really, really nervous about it. And 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 that goes without saying. I think for for all of us that will drop right. him if he's not you know in in the right situation. I, I am curious though because you mentioned the age. Like you have that much more faith in Kamara at his age, uh, <laughs> a couple years older um, than. And I I was kind of just assuming that he would stick on the Saints, and maybe he won't. Maybe that was a wrong assumption. Uh, no, he 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 he's could, and and they could also move on from it. Like, it'd be a surprise, uh, right? Either way, I I just think it's it's interesting, and and I don't have the answer off the top of my head. Maybe you guys do, 
Like, where are those situations, Heath, uh, that Barkley goes to the great offensive line and the great pass catch? You know, like, <laughs> where where are those available right now? You know, so. Minnesota. Minnesota's going. Yep. Would love. To yeah. See Baltimore, not the pass catching, but no, they would. Baltimore would be. I think it'd be bad for him. Um. I guess. Although I wonder if Baltimore had the right pass catching back that they might, you know, with 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 Monken's offense, that we might see that. You know, again, not a not a eighty catch guy, but uh, you know, fifty to sixty catch guy if it's the right player. <laughs> what if he went to the Eagles? That would suck. Maybe again. What if he went so, to the Bengals? That would suck less. Don't have well, the offense on the throwing <laughs> the running back. <laughs> oh, I see. Like, I think if he were to go into a situation like that, he he would make the offense throw right. a little bit more. Right. I don't That's think it's going like, to be Baltimore sixty catches. Baltimore would not be okay. We're, we're, you know, he's not Justice Hill. I, I will say, like that, running back targets are historically really quarterback and offensive coordinator driven. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'd be pretty skeptical they'd make a huge change, but they'd probably throw to him more than they threw to Gus Edwards. And you can tell uh, me if you think Kamara's a lock to stay in New Orleans. Twenty nine years old. He's got a million dollar roster bonus on March twenty second. If they make him a post June first cut. They save almost twelve million against the cap. They'll just restructure it and put two more years on the end of the deal, and they'll be paying him until twenty thirty. That's what the it, Saints do. Sure, yeah. And so if they do that, <laughs> then he's going to stay in New Orleans. But all bets are off in New Orleans now because they're changing offensive coordinators. There's an interesting rumor that John Gruden's going to take that job. All right, that would be that would be exciting for Kamara too if he stays or whoever the main running back is there. We can marinate on that for a little bit. We're going to take a quick break here. We're going to talk about running backs 10 through 12 in our rankings when we come back on Fantasy Football Today. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. All right, welcome back, everybody. They're not even paying, they're not even paying attention. I am dancing right now like literally dancing to the golf promo i was dancing to the golf promo and the other guys they're not even looking at this hilarity all right running backs 10 through 12 so basically we've got mccaffrey and Brees hall at one and two we've got some order of Bijan, gibbs taylor kyron from three through six seven through nine had hn and etn for everyone we saw a little bit of saquon in there a little bit of rashad white in there uh Camara, but I think that's not going to be the case anymore. Uh so let's go to 10 through 12. Dave, who's 10 through 12 for you? I have Isaiah Pacheco at 10, Rashad White at 11, James Cook at 12. Pacheco, White, Cook. Jamie. Uh Pacheco, Cook, Barkley. Pacheco, Cook, Barkley. Heath. Uh so yeah, I think I'm Camara Pacheco. 
I don't think I have a 12. <laughs> Would you like me to tell you who it was originally? I might have. I think it was David Montgomery was who I had at 12 before. Uh, you did have Montgomery in your top 12. Uh, you had originally your 9 through 12 was, well, 8 through 12 was Kamara 8, HN 9, Rashad White 10, uh, Montgomery 11, and Pacheco 12. There we go. Okay, so everyone has again. everyone has Rashad White in their top twelve. Yeah, everyone has Pacheco in their top twelve out of you three. Yep. Yes, and I didn't, but he was thirteen for me. But that's dumb. I'm going to make him eleven, and James Cook twelve. I had Josh Jacobs twelve. I'll make Cook. I'll make Jacobs thirteen. Um, Kamara was only there for Heath. Barkley is in everybody's top twelve. No, that's not true. Heath didn't have Barkley. No. Okay. James Cook. How many of you had James Cook in your top 12? Uh, I'm going to put James Cook in. Just moved him in over to Montgomery. We all have James Cook. I mean, again, two rushing touchdowns. All he needs is that goal line work. If he could just get Latavius Murray had 11 carries. Yeah, I'm I'm sure that's just right around the corner. Well, I didn't I didn't really think Gibbs would get it, but they started splitting that. You know, they they rewarded Jameer Gibbs. Well, Gibbs doesn't have a quarterback that's going to rush for 15 touchdowns. Like I said, Latavius Murray had 11 carries inside the five-yard line. Josh Allen is that's not going away, but they will give a running back those carries. It was Damian Harris a little bit. Leonard Fournette even got one, but Latavius Murray got most of them. If he just gets most of Murray's carries, you know, then I think I think James Cook had four carries inside the five yard line and Latavius had 11. Like, Give me 10. Give me six rushing touchdowns from him and four receiving touchdowns. You probably have a top 12 running back. I don't well, know. If I, I think guy. the thing that we'll we'll find out is, you know, they changed offense coordinators on the fly. So now Joe Brady has a full offseason if he still stays as the coordinator to put in the system that he wants in and, and using some personnel in different varieties. And clearly they've, they've already made a switch in their backup running back uh, this week, you know, by moving on from Leonard Fournette. So uh, we'll see how this backfield shakes out. Clearly there's going to be another number two running back there, whether it's Damien Harris, who missed um, the majority of the season, or – you know, bringing somebody else because I don't think Latavius Murray will be 33, I think, or 34. Um, no, don't you doubt Latavius Murray finding a role in that? that but, you know, you would hope that they bring in somebody else. Look, they were aggressive in trying to retool their backfield this offseason, moving on from Singletary and and bringing in Damien Harris, who they thought, you know, uh, was going to be their 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 physical running back presence. So it, it, it still goes without, you know, you have to have a little bit of caution with, with Cook. Um, you know, I think most people would probably prefer to draft him in round three. He could push his way into round two, depending on how your draft unfolds. There's a ton of upside. You know, we saw at times he was amazing in the passing game, then they go away from him. You know, so there's just like it's it's all over the place with how he was used. But when he was on his game, I mean, he was as good as what we said with Achan. You know, just just amazing. You know, top five potential. So hopefully that's the case on an offense that may have totally different receiving core too. I will say talking about these running backs like eight through twelve just confirms for me. I hero RB all the way this year. I'll draft a running back in round one, and then I don't want to draft any of these guys. But you say that though, you know, you you, you may be picking seven through twelve, and you're talking about maybe Kyron Williams or Jonathan Taylor at best. Right, right. And if you don't like those guys, you're basically going zero RB. But if one of these guys fell to you with the. 33rd pick. Would you take James Cook there? Would you take 33rd? Sure. I don't think he probably will, but yeah, that's, that's okay. I mean, I think that's kind of my point. What I was asking earlier is how many of these guys, you know, I said, do you have trouble filling out your top 12? Maybe a better question is how many of these guys in the back end of your top 12, Pacheco, Barkley, Rashad White, James Cook, Camara, maybe how many of them feel like second round picks, top 24 players to you? 
Right now, all of them. HN? HN uh, is by default. ETN's a second rounder. Figured Sa- HN would be easy, Saquon, right? right place, mid to late second round. Pacheco is when I might start getting nervous about second round. But if I'm like at 22, 23, 24, I think I'd probably take him knowing that I've got that early third. It'll depend on what's left at wide receiver. If there's a bunch of wide receivers that I like and Pacheco is the only running back I like when I'm picking late in round two, of course I'm going to take the running back and just settle for whichever wide receiver I have ranked the highest when I'm back up in round three. If this were last year, you know, I could make an easier case to say, well, just take Josh Allen or Hurts there. But we feel so much better about the quarterback position now than we did a year ago. Yep. I'm, I'm not sure I'm dropping Allen as much as everybody else. Allen might still be at that 2-3 turn for me. Okay. Oh, yeah, he'll, he'll be gone by ADP. Right. He'll probably okay, be gone by ADP. But in, in our drafts and in drafts like ours, he's going to go at the point when a manager says, I don't like any of the running backs that are left. I don't love any of the receivers that are left. It's too soon for a tight end. Give me the quarterback. That's still going to be back end around two. Might be. All right, I don't think so, it's going to be that way for me, though. So, you know, one person happy in our uh, chat says, what about James Conner? I think it's just a great point. You know, Conner with Kyler is top 12. He's a free agent. Right. He is. Do they bring him? You know, if they bring him back, I uh, hope they do. Um, if he's back on Arizona, is he a top 12 running back? He's close, but he'd be behind these guys for me. I, I'd put him ahead of Kamara and ahead of Barkley. He's in a contract year. He's not a free agent. He's, he's not. What's his What's his cap number this year? I thought this was just a void year. If it's a void year, then yeah, he's a free agent. I'll double check. We should know this. I think it's a void year. Pretty sure he's an un, unrestricted free agent. All right. I'm All right, looking so right now. Uh, he has a roster bonus due March 18th. That's just $1.5 million. They would only save $6 million against the cap if they cut him. I do not see it as a void year, according to overthecap.com. Let's talk about pancakes here. We're going to get to our emails. Fantasyfootball at cbsi.com. Send us an email. It's a great time to send an email and ask your questions. Um, Likely to get read on the show. Fantasyfootball at cbsi.com. That is the letter I. This email is from Will. Will says, last year we established a last place punishment in which the loser would spend 24 hours in a 24-hour diner, but could knock off an hour for every two small pancakes he ate. Mm-hmm. Wait, when this is time- a punishment? <laughs> <laughs> when the time came, he went to the diner and he left after 10 hours and 14 pancakes, which still left seven hours unaccounted for. Mm. He claims that they were giving him the evil eye and made one comment. But we say this place is 24 hours and wouldn't have given him a problem if he had just said, you can do your thing and come move on to a new server whenever you want. Now he's won the championship this year. First, would you say he adequately completed the punishment from last year? And second, if not, then are we right in mounting a gentle but firm campaign that an honorable champion would pay tribute by finishing his punishment now? Seven more hours. But he can still knock off more time by eating more pancakes, right? Yeah. So you yeah, just give a man 14 pancakes and call it a day. Yeah. So he did 70% of the challenge. I would give him 70% of his payout. <laughs> oh man that's true he azer statted his uh, challenge yeah he can have 70 percent of his payout 
But if he thought the like rest he goes was, to pancakes for the league, did he feel like his life was in danger or did he just feel like he was ticking off the staff at the diner and that made him uncomfortable? Uh, I was very uncomfortable last night. I went out to dinner with a friend and we stayed there so late. I was like, I think we should go. I think we should go. They were, they were turning off the lights and everyone was leaving except for us. I was like, I think it's time to go. This is really, really embarrassing. It was a very good dinner though. Um, Duck mushroom quesadilla. Does that sound Why good? Do you to go you? to the strangest places. It's a great restaurant. Were were they out of cinnamon raisin bagels, Adam? Duck mushroom quesadilla. It was the same a, place as the rabbit paella. Oh God, no! This you know how doesn't that sound good to you guys? A duck mushroom. I don't quesadilla? like mushrooms, so I would get it without the. I mushrooms. do like mushrooms. Do you yeah. like duck? Duck is good. It's fine. This was terrific. It sounds expensive. It is, I'm pretty cheap. Anything. It's like a. Twenty dollars, I don't know. Yeah, something like that. Eighteen twenty. All right, from Ryan, would you trade Saquon Barkley for the one point three in in a dynasty league? <laughs> yes. In a one, one QB PPR league. Yeah. The answer is very much yes. <laughs> the answer is. I like that laugh. I like the of course laugh. That's good stuff. All right. That's thank the, you. I wish I was playing in that league. Laugh. Dave has a uh, an eleven fifteen that he needs to get to. So yeah, uh, what kind of a doctor is it? What did I say before the show? Okay, go ahead, tell him. No, no, I can do. You want to say it? It's an eye doctor, everybody. I'm going to see the eye doctor. You must live five minutes away from the eye doctor. You're going to be late. I do. You should. uh, You should take Heath with you. He's got an issue. I I need. I need to go to a get a second opinion. I went to the eye doctor uh, a couple days ago. Told me my eyes are perfect. This was Heath reading the draft board. (laughs) <laughs> all right uh have a great day everybody we'll talk to you tomorrow with our top 12 wise and a dfs preview for the weekend take care